0: Folks, I want to just drop in here before the episode and say a big thank you to everybody who is supporting the Patreon. What this means is at this point, our first goal of providing transcriptions for everybody so that people can access the podcast has been achieved. So super big thanks to everybody for that. And what that means now is we can start moving forward with the second goal for the Patreon, which is to start upping the archaic technology that I've been uh, getting this podcast done on. So please head on over to the Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash thehermit'slamp or their links in the show notes. When you sign up, you will get access to extra material such as short talks by me and going forward, extra material with the various guests that I have on, which I will not be sharing anywhere, along with artwork and previews of my new tarot decks and other creations, long before I share them anywhere else. So head on over and support. It's no joke. As they say, every dollar really does help. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another installment of the Hermit's Lent podcast. I'm hanging out today with Tai Shaw, who is a fascinating human being. He practices a bunch of uh, different traditions, uh, and, uh, and brings a lot of, uh, you know, experience in a lot of different ways uh, through life and spirituality to the to the conversation today. So for folks who don't know who you are, Ty, why don't you introduce yourself? What, who are you, and what are you about?
1: Oh my God, ooh, well, I am Ty Shaw, um, like you just said. And what am I about? Um, I'm in Iyalurisha, uh palera, mambo um and a lot of other things uh that's the most recent one. (laughs) i always forget to list that one or um and basically what i have been doing is working with people within the tradition um i was obviously with my spiritual house and the various you know people that i service in my communities Um, But my sort of day job now is in the space of sacred sexuality, coaching, intimacy coaching, and really bringing particularly, well, people in general, but women in particular, in alignment with sort of their spirituality and their sexuality and kind of bridging that gap and working in a space where people understand that when you talk about sacred sexuality, that you don't have to look to India or to China or to Japan or to these other places that we do have concepts of sacred sexuality from an African context. Mm -hmm. If we're willing to actually look at what we're doing and examine what we're doing.
0: Um, Why don't you enlighten us on that? Because I know, you know, being, being a a Babalocha, right. You know, that sex, you know, or at least sex in general is very, we keep that outside of the Eritrean tradition, yes. you know, not of right. the tradition, but outside of the the relationships and the connections there. You know, and people are often like very slow to even kind of get into conversations like that because there is such an emphasis on uh, having proper relationships and where those lines are. Right. So, so where does that where does that come from in in what your experiences are for you?
1: Well, that's exactly why I do this work because. Our traditions are very conservative in how they look at yeah. sex, which to me is com- not only counterproductive but contradictory because mm-hmm. everything we do mimics a sexual act on some level. If we want to take, say, the Bobble Owl, for example, when the Awo was pounding Ikin, the Awo was mimicking copulation such that Ikin or Odu can give birth. When we go into the Igbo Du and we want to birth a new priest in the process of um, a Cariocha, we are using the leaves, singing the songs, doing the invocations to sure. get certain people sure. to give birth. <laughs> we deal, you know, if we're sitting on the mat and we're divining with Dilogung and OD Falls or some iteration of Oche or something out of Ogbe Falls, we're going to be talking some sexual shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We I talk- do. We we, we deal with deities who who cover these specific things And we deal with energy We're we're priests We understand that just from a basic scientific perspective That energy is neither created nor destroyed It's how it's directed So that means there is no difference Between spiritual energy and sexual energy And the fact that we vibrate on a different level as priests Because we actively cultivate our energy we're, We're cultivating our sexuality as well And I think that the fact that our traditions are so conservative and don't allow for these deeper conversations, even though the liturgy, odu, the deities themselves do speak of these things and act in these ways. Because we don't have these conversations and we haven't developed that language, we have what we see now, which is the manifestation of a plethora of, or an abundance rather, of sexual dysfunction in and out of ritual, in and out of the room. Um, and, uh, a community of priests who are manipulating energies, but really have no basic concept of what energy is, how it works and what you're conjuring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's why I decided to get in that space. You
0: know? Yeah. So when you when, because lots of people who listen to this, uh, are not going to be practitioners of ATRs or, you know, uh, diasporic traditions or those things necessarily. Let's, uh, let's pull this apart just a little bit more. Because I know exactly what I think you mean. I mean, you're going to tell me if I'm right. But um, I mean, I think one of the things that we want to make clear is that some of the dysfunction that I think that you're talking about, I mean, there's obviously the people who are having challenges themselves, which is a separate issue, but then there's the sort of dysfunction of uh, people taking advantage of relationships, godparents or, or, or other people who... Should be obeying uh, a taboo that is like a parent to a child, um, you know, or having relationships and using their power and position to to take advantage of people. Right? We're we're talking about these kinds of things, right? Right,
1: right. We're talking about that. We're talking about even in our intimate relationships, Mm -hmm. we are seeing a lot of abuse coming to the surface because of Facebook um sexual abuse uh women who are being raped by their babalow husbands uh, or men that i've encountered in this tradition who come seeking guidance and were molested by a godparent you know we have an abundance of people of color amongst those people of color are women of color and i personally in my adult life don't know any women of color who haven't experienced sexual abuse or sexual assault so we have this abundance of sort of sexual trauma and that that comes up in our relationships in so many different ways whether it's the baggage we bring to the tradition or whether it's the abuse of power because of the dynamic within the tradition but we still because of our conservatism we don't have that conversation and when we do it's an accusatory one you abused me you did this you didn't do ballet at the bembe you tried to Take my husband, you know, but we don't necessarily have conversations around what the solutions are, what we're going to do about it. How do you fix them? If you're a Baba Lao that's married and you have your Apetebi, how are you cultivating that sacred relationship? Because that's our version of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In, in a certain way, on a certain level. How mm-hmm. are we cultivating our intimate relationships how does that affect our vibration and our energy and how we cultivate our ashe as priests and then what does that look like in terms of how we treat each other in our interpersonal relationships
0: sure and how and how are we dealing with our own i mean even if we don't have the kinds of traumas you're talking about um you know we we all exist in a culture that you know experiences toxic masculinity and rape culture and all of these bits and pieces and all sorts of exploitative pieces left over from a long time in our culture, right? And how do we look at ourselves and become clear about what is our desire? What is real? How do we communicate? Where does consent fit? You know, all of these things, right? Like these are are important pieces of cultivating uh, well, I mean, being a decent human being for one, but like and certainly being a spiritual human being for for another right we can 't
1: right. yeah. And we can't deal with these forces that we, again, we're specifically engaging in sort of spiritual sexual acts in the process of giving birth and getting Odu mm-hmm. to conceive and put something out there that's new and then appealing this newborn thing via oh, Ebo. We do these things, but there's a, there's a disconnect. There's some sort of cognitive dissonance, you know, between the act and the metaphysical understanding of the act,
0: mm-hmm. you know? hmm and I also think that people don't understand um, energy, as you kind of said earlier, right? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things that I noticed when uh, when I became a priest was all sorts of people started hitting on me who weren't hitting on me before, yeah. and, I and you know, right? Yeah. And you know, I got shango on my head, right? I mean, that's going to yeah. draw some some heat, right? Yeah. And um, you know, and the thing is, is that if I wasn't if I wasn't mindful of it. If some of my elders hadn't said, hey, this is probably going to happen, take it easy about that, then you get into all sorts of trouble, right? Because what's going on is those people aren't necessarily attracted to me. They're feeling that energy and they want more of that, but we don't understand how to get close to spirit. Or how to be intimate with human beings and not frame that in a sexual context, right?
1: Or if it's in a sexual context, that doesn't mean we have to act in a debased way. How about Mm -hmm. receiving the energy? Because we are, like, Shango is the pillar of virility, male virility, male magnetism. That's his ashe, and it is sexual. There's no way around that. How about we accept that that's what it is, internalize it, and use it for what it does, as opposed to saying, well, I feel arousal. This means I must screw. This means I must, you know, as opposed to, no, these are what vibrations and energy do. And, you know, that's why I started getting into vibrational medicine, you know, prana, reiki, tantric projection work, because we already have heightened vibrations as a result of having gone through ritual. And ideally, if we're cultivating our ashe, cultivating our wreath, we're developing and uplifting that vibration. But so many priests I would have a conversation with about energy, vibration, how we we magnetize and move. There was just such a lack of understanding. And a lot of times I feel that we're doing at bowl, we're killing chickens, but what you need is a chakra clearing. What you need is a past life regression. What you need is some spiritual counseling. It's an issue on a base level with your vibration, which I both does address through the power of sacrifice,
0: but you're still not internalizing that in your vibration. Well, so it's, it's, like a- I, it's like I uh, popped my collarbone out of place recently, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I went to my osteopath and put it back in place. But the reason I popped it out of place was because muscles in my back were out of balance. and that is a physiotherapy thing. And so now I need to be, you know, so, and, and I think that that's true on many levels, right? Spiritual practices can make adjustments mm-hmm. and in different kinds of spiritual practices can be that physiotherapy. Right. But it's rare that one does all of them at the same time, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. like you go, for, you go for a reading with the Orishas, then they're going to, you know, uh, realign your vertebrae. And be like, yeah. hey, this is where you should be. And then you're going to leave and all those wonky muscles and your habits are going to want to pull you back out of place, right? And whether yeah. that's energetic or your circumstance or your psychology or whatever, right? Or the, the various baggage you're carrying with you. That's all that that energy that wants to kind of disalign you again, right?
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the major critiques I've had. Like if anybody has seen my Facebook videos, I've done a lot of critiquing about what I think is healthy versus what I don't think is healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in that in that sort of process, not understanding energy has led this new generation of people that are kind of coming into the tradition um, with, a, with a level of, how would I say, like a lack of respect for tradition. And in that process, they stereotype and pigeonhole certain energies because there's a fundamental misunderstanding of energy. So like, for example i see this wave of new yeah. of of new women coming into sacred sexuality and not everyone's a child of oshun because they think okay oshun sacred whore sacred prostitute no mm-hmm. idea where that comes from but this is what they say and this is, what, and mean, this is what they think right when it's like Oh, shoot. That first of all, it's a stereotyping of this energy because you don't even understand what you're talking about. It's a pigeonholing and it's a limiting of her. Because depending on the road, you might be dealing with the crone, you might be dealing with the witch, you might be dealing with the demure healer, you might be dealing with something like, oh, shoot, um, Ibu, uh, Ibu Kwanda, the warrior, who ain't got nothing to do with your coquette, <laughs>
0: yeah. You know? sure
1: right but when we don't understand energy when we don't understand how things work and we stereotype we pigeonhole we do everybody a disservice
0: yeah
1: we don't we don't get access to the thing you know that's really gonna
0: yeah i think that i think it's challenging because there's such a um a profound and sort of largely um if you're outside of the tradition largely inaccessible depth and diversity that's there. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, how many roads of Oshun are there? How many roads of, you know, um, you know, this, that, and and, and all those other spirits. Right. And what do those things mean? Right. And -hmm. what do you, and if you're dealing with, I mean, uh, you know, if you're dealing with those or running into those, or if those are the the paths or or avatars that are sort of engaging with you, it's completely different to have one versus the other. Right. You know, There, there's the Yemaya who who pulls you down to the bottom of the ocean, right? Yeah. And leaves yeah. you there. And you Right. Me. And then there's those other paths that are gonna love you and hold you while you cry and pat your back, right? Oh, so this and,
1: is my path. A who's just the shady one uh-huh. who don't want. You
0: know? <laughs> right.
1: You know, just call her E-Blue Shade. <laughs> <laughs> but I love her. I love her. But that's why, like in my work, okay, I had become a ballera. I became an Eyalosha, I became a Mambo, I became an ianifa, And then I was like, "But well, what do I want to do with any of this? What does this mean to me? What does mm-hmm. priesting look like for me? Sure. Do, do, do I Am I going to be able to do it in the way maybe my elders did it? Do I believe in the same things? What is this priesthood thing going to actually play out for me? Mm-hmm. And I found that in... And I'm a young Santera, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'm five in Ocha this year. No, I'm six. Am I
0: six already? Shit. But There's anyway, it up, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, I'm a baby Ocha, infant, mm-hmm. and in the process of me coming into adulthood as an Yalorisha, growing up and kind of going through adolescence. Now, mm-hmm. I have to. I, I decided to consciously, consciously move into priesthood. What is this pre thing going to look like for me? Where's going to be my medicine? What's going to be my point of departure? And that has always been whole person healing. What's the what am I dealing with? The... What is Yamaya bringing to my doorstep? And yes, I can solve this with Ebo. But after Ebo, what is going to, and that creates transformation, but what's going to last? What's going to stick? What's going to change behavior? You know? And that's when I decided to go that that my route was really as a healer. Mm-hmm getting into the spiritual development of the person. And then when I was trying to figure out, well, what healing would look like outside of energy healing and, and spiritual cleanings and stuff, what I found is that what people were lacking was the counsel and a way to really work through trauma, particularly trauma held within the body of a sexual nature. And, and our tradition was no exception to that. So it spoke to me of just a niche that made sense that I could kind of slide on into, you know, Mm-hmm. So right now, it sounds like priesting for me is looking like being really woman goddess centered, really witchy, and really focused on long lasting transformation mm-hmm. in or outside of an ego do or a new set of alekes or the reception of a new Arisha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: For sure, yeah, yeah. Because so many, you know, I mean, I'm I'm also relatively young. Uh, Olocha but you know like lots of people who come around for that part of what I do um, they, they, so many of them almost show up with their shopping list right they're like I'm, I'm coming to you I, I want you to give me my alekes please confirm that I'm a child of whomever you know and like and so on and it's like I don't know like you know let's see what happens right you know whereas when people come to me in my, in my sort of card reading and, and, you know, that other magical side of my life, a lot of those, a lot of those uh, uh, things are more like what I think that all of it should be, which is let's see what's going on. Let's talk about what you need. Let's, let's work on this and make that change so that it endures. Right. Because it's so easy to um, you know, uh, you know when I when I made ocha, you know Shango basically said to me, "He's like, hey, welcome. You're here. So go fix your life because you got some things that are messy that you made, and now you got to go fix them because ocha can't do it." And I was like, "All right, yeah. huh?" So I was like, wow. right. <laughs> right. You know,
1: Shango has a way of just popping that bubble. He 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 kind of gave me something similar in my ita Shango. He came down talking about you do not know how to live. And now you need to learn how to live. Learn how to live in this life or you'll learn how to live in the yeah. other. We know that refrain, you know. Um, yeah. And I think I had a similar trajectory. Like, I, I love teaching, you know, cards, crystals, all the airy, fairy, witchy stuff. Um, because even though I had extensively studied African tradition, I studied traditional forms of witchcraft as well. I was a proper Neoplatonist, high ceremonial magic type of witch. Well, yeah. Pentacles, astrological magic. Like, I came from here too, you know? So, ain't nobody gonna get me to leave my cards behind and, and none of that. But, um, and I felt like there was space for that. Like, there were, you know, and spiritualism gives you that opportunity, right? To bring in anything you want. But, yes, people would come with their shopping list. Well, I want this. I want to be crowned tomorrow. I need you to take me to Haiti. And then after that, take me to Africa. And I want this and I want that. And usually my attitude is like, that's cute. That's what you want. You know, good for you. You are clear on your desires. Yeah. What, does- <laughs> what do you actually need? Now that we've yeah. gotten through the laundry list, what's actually getting ready to happen yeah. here? Because guess what? I don't move unless Yamaya tells me, this is what has to happen.
0: Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> that that piece of um I don't know what the right word for it is. Uh understanding that the that the orishas that sit on our heads, you know, and live with us, that nothing happens without without their say so. Not Something okay. so so largely foreign to most people's concepts, right? You know, yeah. and I, I like I remember Many years ago, you know, I got this reading and, and, and Lego was like, no tattoos for you this year. And I was like, huh, all right, fair enough. I'll stop. Right. I had a bunch of stuff planned and I stopped. And, and a lot of people couldn't understand how I would just be like, okay. And they're like, what if he never says yes again? I'm like, well, then that's, that's cool. I'll roll with that. Um, But that's so hard for people to to roll with. Right. You know, and because. I think in part because we're encouraged to be ego-centered in a way that is uh, hard to wrestle with, but also because of all these traumas that we've been talking about, right? How much harder is it for someone to put that kind of trust in somebody if they have, you know, whatever kinds of traumatic experiences and abuses from people who should be, who were supposed to be there facilitating them, parents, priests, guides, whomever, right?
1: You know, I agree with that because it's about, it's about several things. It's about shifting from a very Western, individualistic, self-absorbed, egocentric way of being and moving through the world, which I'm not even judging, because those are actual tools we need to survive in the sure. West, okay? <laughs> a certain amount of selfishness is necessary for your survival in this place. However, it does create a, a, a learning gap. Because you kind of have to cross that bridge to then understand how everything functions mm-hmm. in this particular tradition. And the, the unique thing about this tradition is that it's not just all this... Um, I think we also get really idealistic and we think no. that we have all these proper African values. And we don't. We have diaspora values. Because mm-hmm. even some of our cultural nuances, they don't recognize in Africa. They're not doing that. And we have to separate... The caricature of Africa that we have, this ideal, this, you know, ideal, you know, Africa that doesn't exist. What we're dealing with is post colonial Africa that has just as much white supremacist, misanthropic bullshit as any one of us. Yeah. Well,
0: and also, you know, which part of Africa are we talking about, right? You know,
1: are we talking about,
0: you know, ife are we talking about the congo are we talking about wherever like you know i mean i i I know people come in and they're like well you know i was talking to a sangoma and that's exactly like what you do and i'm like Mm -hmm. no not really like in a general way it's animist and whatever but other than that no it's not the same at all right right and that's the
1: problem they think of africa as a monolith as one like homogenous sort of thing they don't understand the level of nuance and this is why i've always battled these faulty notions and assertions of purity in this tradition and who's who's more pure who has the right way who's the closest to the root and it's like nobody because what is the what is properly african is that we've always assimilated and brought in what works and transformed and adapted and if you if you go to Nigeria right now, what they're doing in ileife is not what they're doing in Oyo, is not what they're doing in Abeokuta, is not what they're doing in Oshopo. They're all doing something different, compound to compound, region to region, because there's always been sort of that gap to allow for spirit, to allow for adaptability. That's how we work.
0: Well, and I think that that's the, um, it's the power of lineage, right? You yeah. know, like what, what, you, what you're going to do, you can't do anything. Yeah. But you can do anything that fits within the bounds of your lineage, right? Exactly. And that's the real meaning of like, oh, in my house we do this. It's like, you know, lots of people use that as a justification for what they don't know, or to just just right. do whatever they feel like, or be like, oh, I can't get that, so you know, in my house now we now we give turkeys instead of chickens because right. they're easier to get or whatever, right? And and that's not that's not valid, right? What's valid is understanding what's going on within your lineage. And then honoring and working with that because that is something um, those those are the spirits that we're calling on to work, right? You know, in one way or another.
1: I, I've always been a bit of a lineage snob. Particularly in this in this day and age where people mm-hmm. feel that they can self initiate and they can get their head marked via tarot and they there can get initiated online. Sure.
0: Was, you know, this
1: because the thing about lineage, right? When I I try to explain this to new people. It's like, if you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that you all believe the same thing. You might be a seven day Adventist. You might be a Baptist. There are denominations here. And I feel that we've gotten to the point in our traditions where we have denominations. Okay. And within each denomination lineage becomes important because that's going to imply style, technique, and approach. Okay. We may all believe certain things, but how it plays out, how it looks in ritual, our approach to ritual technique, that's going to be based on lineage. I think Paulo is a great example of that. When you tell me the Rama and you tell me the house, now I know what kind of Palo you do because that's what lineage dictates. What types of agreements do you have with the forces you have the ability to access and conjure? And what do your ceremonies look like? Because everything outside of ceremony, ritual, and the protocols associated with them, that's what we dictate and what we have a a blueprint for. Everything outside of that is between you and your spirit. You got to work that out. And that's why lineage gives you The blueprint, right, for how ritual, what makes you a certain thing, what makes another thing a thing. Then outside of that, that's all you, boo.
0: Yeah, for sure, right? And then (laughs) it's also about getting to know what your particular Arisha's like and want, right, you know? I mean, there's people always want to do big ceremonies, and it's like more often than not, you know, if I cook a little Amalaila for Shango, he's going to heat up and get whatever I want, right? You know, like it's easy once you once you sit and listen, right? Once you understand and build that connection, but you know, but but that quest for for purity or truth or like the solution, you know, it's like it's not always bigger and better things. It's yeah. learn to work what you have, right, and then apply that, and then you can go from there.
1: And in in so far as learning to work what you have is concerned, I think that's another challenge because one of the main critiques I sort of have of our traditions right now is that I don't feel like people are practicing African tradition or African inspired tradition. Um, I feel like they're Christians in Alekes because they kind of bring all their Christianity and dress it up in nice African fabric and put beads on it but it's still Christianity uh, and I find that that is especially true with how we understand and approach Orisha. Sometimes our relationship to Orisha is devotional and sometimes it's not. I'm not always on my knees begging like I'm praying to the, to the Lord. Sometimes I'm sending Orisha on a mission. And I think people have forgotten that. And I see that that disconnect comes in mostly since the African-American involvement in Orisha tradition. The reason why I say that is because when I... Coming up with these older Cubans, Puerto Ricans, I have seen them hiding drugs in Ocha, you know, or getting up, cussing a leg wire out because they want some shit to go down or they busting somebody out of jail. It wasn't this elitist thing. And it wasn't so the level of Christianized judgment and this, this just pray to Arisha and give Abu Mu. I don't work, Brujeria. That's very different. Because we have songs, we have liturgy that calls us powerful sorcerers and sorceresses and how we work with Arisha. I think that we have to re-examine what our relationship is. Is it this Christianized devotion? Or sometimes do you work with Arisha like any other sorcerer in any other tradition? And what are these ideas that we're bringing in that are foreign and counterproductive? Because if you are just purely devotional, Right? And you just throw in so that you can appease Arisha and get on your knees. Do you really know what that Arisha likes and how it could work for you or how you could get up and make something pop when you need it? Do you really know that? Or do you know how to appease Jesus on Sunday and beg? And does that make you a priest? Or does that make you a slave to some spirit and you call it Ocha? Hmm.
0: Well, I had the, I think, good fortune. It's one of, one of the, the best gifts that I think my parents gave me, which was to not be raised with anything. So religion was non-existent in my household, which, you know, I think was uh, tremendously liberating compared to where a lot of people come from when they come into these things, right? And I think that this, this question of what, is, what does it mean to exist with a magical religion, Right is something that is quite different than what a lot of people expect or understand. Right. And it's neither as simple, at least in my experience as, Hey, Hey dude, I was sitting on the couch playing video games all month and I need some like money for rent hook me up. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I mean that, that doesn't necessarily work either. Right. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe the first time, maybe sometimes, um, or, you know, bust me out of jail or, or whatever. Right. But right. but but it's also not yeah. not that either, right? You know, and it's and sort of this distinction between the things that we want and need to live in this world and live in this life, right? I mean, they are there to facilitate those things, right? And I
1: don't know, I think it's true. go ahead. No,
0: no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and they're there because they can see how we can free ourselves. From the problems we make for ourselves, or the problems other people bring, and and sort of move beyond them, or or move and minimize them as we go through life, right? Because yes, you know, life is life is complicated, right? right. It's the it's the battle of the the asobos and the array, right? Like there's all these forces of negativity that exist in the world on many levels, and some of those come from us too, right? And learning to overcome those ones that are not in a, we're all sinners kind of way, but like, we all got baggage. We all got tendencies. Maybe we're lazy. Maybe we're too greedy. Maybe we're, you know, hateful or whatever. And those things undermine our lives. And we need to, you know, it's that balance of, of both, I think. Right. Cause I know so many people who come in. literally people come into the shop and oh, I need you to Santeria somebody. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever, dude, so I don't even know what you mean, but no, <laughs> like forget about it. You know? Um, yeah. I
1: see, I mean, I see your point. I guess what, not I guess, one of the things I'm I'm resistant to is elitism in this tradition Mm -hmm. because it has become elitist on a number of levels just because of the price point. Sure. introduction of just the academia, you know, into this. Um, So there's also an an intellectual elitism here. Mm -hmm. And with that elitism, there's been sort of this political attempt christianize it in terms of its values and what we do no we don't do that and it's like oh but we do because i remember (laughs) very distinctly being called for those basement ochas that we had to do in an emergency because somebody was going to jail Mm -hmm. or you know somebody has some illness and it was a bunch of poor people in that ocha in a project apartment saving somebody's life i remember when it wasn't elitist Mm -hmm. You know, And there wasn't any shame around um, doing an obra versus an ebo. And, the, and how I'm distinguishing those terms is when I say an obra, a work. Something that you don't throw for, that you go, you put it together, and you tell Arisha versus ebo that comes out of a divination and Arisha done told you. Mm-hmm. I remember that there being a distinction and watching Santeros move in that way. I remember that there wasn't the stigma and the shame around, yo, I, maybe I do need to come up with my rent because I'm getting put out of my house. So I need to go to LA why to open a door. Yeah. I remember there was, there was no stigma around that.
0: Well, and, and I hope I didn't come across wrong because I think there should be no shame, right? We are all where we're at, you know? And we're all in places and life is complex and variable and many things happen, right? And, you know, there there are those times where we need to you know, to, to make those things or to, you know, kick, kick them in the pants a little bit and be like, oh, I go, dude, rent's due on the first. It better be in my account before that, my friend. It needs to happen or we're all in yeah. on the street, right, or whatever. And I think yeah. there should never be any shame in those things or or in any of that or in needing healing or, you know, I mean, all of those things. I think that uh, we're all human and we all need those things all the time. And it would be foolish to, to think that that's not going to be the case, right? But I I also do agree that there's a tendency to um try and niceify right? You know you see it, that
1: even like, more in Nigeria. You see it even right? more in the Nigerian priests with this attempt at, you know, Christianizing Ifar because of the onslaught of just attack from Muslim and Christian kind in Nigeria.
0: Sure. sure. Right. And you know, and, and it's you see it in a lot of um, you know more fringe places right you see it in the lgbt community right and all those extra letters too where it's like well look we're just like you we're this way we're that way and that's true for some people and for other people it's not right and i think that those kinds of diversity uh it, it doesn't benefit anybody either it's a leverage one group down so that we can sort of be up right you know in the way that like historically, Palo and and Lukumi traditions went through that conflict, right? You know, there's that historical divide, right? Well, still, but like, you know, there's there's specific historical events where, you know, it was like all of a sudden, well, you know, we'll throw the Palo community under the bus for this and show how how legitimate and good we are, right?
1: And they're still doing it. I was very resistant to making Ocha for a lot of years because I was quite for long before I became an Orosha, Yeah. And... um, one of the things that I've with, I was really resistant about was what I call Lukumi or Yoruba-centric. You know, Yorubas tend to posit themselves at the top of this total. Priests overstep their boundaries. Or uh, an Arisha priest telling you, you have a batala crown, get rid of your Ganga. How? Why is it that you feel that your tradition gives you the right to tell somebody what can and can't happen in a completely separate practice? Okay. And that's, that's Eurocentric elitism. That's Lukumi-centric elitism. And we see it, because Lukumi is the most expensive um, initiation that people feel like once they get crowned, they've arrived, honey. They got the big crown. And it, it perpetuates this contention. It also perpetuates a lot of misinformation. Like, Chola is not Oshun. She will never be Oshun. Saramanda is not Ogun. Lucero is not a <laughs> You
0: understand what I'm saying? Yeah, well, and I think it's part of that um, that desire or ignorance that promotes generalization, right? You know, yes. I mean, it's not it's not a hundred percent true, but I often sort of think if there's an odoo that says you shouldn't do that, then that means there's not a general prohibition against it because it's required to come up, right? And I mean, right. it's, not, it's a little too cut and dry, maybe. But I think right. there are so many things where people want to sort of posit a set of rules like, well, oh, Batala should never drink. You know, these people are going to be this way. This spirit's going to be that way. Once yeah. you're a priest, you should never do whatever again. And, and it's not that way. You know, it's, it right. doesn't need to be that way. Right? right? And that is that sort of stereotyping and, you know, sort of uh, modeling ideas that are not universal. Yes. But people want to make them either because it gives them power or because they don't know better, right?
1: Yes. And and in some cases it's just superstitious and mm-hmm. unnecessary. Like yeah. I'll give you an example. I went I went to an Arisha birthday, um, to go salute someone's Arisha. and you know in the process of ultra birthdays, we're sitting, we're Kiki and we talk this shit. Um, we get into a conversation about firearms, right? Because I don't go nowhere unarmed. No. Okay, I'm a black woman living in the USA. I'm going to be. If you see me, you're going to see
0: me. I've seen your Instagram.
1: <laughs> you know, so we were talking about firearms. And there was a priest who was much older than me. I feel like she's in her 20s. Um, and she was like, well, you know, none of us carry weapons. We all blunted all the knives in our house because many of us have ogun." Die in our Ita, and we, we give that over to Ogun. And I was like, eh? What the hell does any of that have to do with your ability to protect yourself? Number one, did Ogun not come in some harsh or that told you to do with the entire house? And what does any of that have to do with my basic human right to defend myself? Mm-hmm. And, th- and then her response was, You know, well. If- Go, Ogun, I'm not going to take on Ogun's job. What, what, what I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to tell you, there's nothing they could have ever told me in Ita that would have had me unarmed for the rest of my life, not as a single mother. Hell no, there is nothing you could have told me that would have made me put down my firearms, and I and there was nothing that I heard her say out of her Ita that made any of that make sense. Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. That sounded crazy, but I hear this level of superstitious ignorance that manifests in general taboos for entire houses all the time. Now suddenly, one person's ties everybody's eties. It's crazy. Well, I've seen and that,
0: pro- never- and I've I've seen that prohibition with that piece of advice come out in a reading for somebody, and it didn't surprise me because that relationship in that house was on the edge of exploding into physical conflict maybe, right? right? And yeah. so like there are times where that stuff can come out and should come out. Right. But that's where you right. got to look at your life and see what's going on, right? Like I, you know, I was, somebody came to me for a reading and, you know, it was one of those like, hey, the Orishas love you. Hugs and kisses. See you later, right? I'm like, yeah. okay, well, when should I get initiated? And I was like, why? Want that, right? Are you sick? Are you broke? Are you like, what's going on? And they're like, no. I'm like, you're good. Right. You don't need it. Don't worry about it. You know, so I think that that, yeah, that's where you need to be understanding about yourself and your relationship, right?
1: Yes, yes. And move beyond superstition. I think that we have Mm -hmm. a very uh, sophisticated methodology and system of divination that doesn't give us, we don't have the burden of having to have superstition or even faith to a certain extent. We do divination. We do a bow. A (laughs) bow works. (laughs) <laughs> we trust that it works because we've seen it work. You know, we, we have divination and confirmation,
0: True. which is one
1: of the things why I like this tradition, because yeah. I ain't got to be believing, you know, pie in the sky. You do Close. divination,
0: you do the <laughs> as, as Crowley puts it, right?
1: Right, right. You as know? Crowley
0: puts it in one of his books, success is your proof, right? That's right. it. You right. know, certainty, not faith, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I say, and I've never, done, I've never done well with faith. Um yes. so, which is why Palo and Voodoo make me happy. You do something, something happens. You know
0: what
1: I'm yeah. saying?
0: <laughs> so it's all, so, of that, all of that. So I have a question for you about uh about the intimacy counseling and the and the work that you're doing with, with people, right? So what, is that a energetic thing? Is that a spiritual practice? Is that like where, where do the intersections, because I'm always curious for people who practice a bunch of different things, and then have outside people come and engage that, right? Yeah, Are yeah. you engaging people within their own practices? Are they coming to you for practices? How, how does that look and work for you?
1: So usually, um, it depends. People who have no relation to this practice but just need sex and intimacy coaching usually look like regular old clients. They book an appointment, we have some talk therapy, and then I do a healing. That healing may be energetic, like in tantric projection work or energy work that they need to clear out some trauma. It may be a past life regression or some spiritual cords. I have to cut because of what they're dealing with it may be physical because as a somatic sex educator We also guide people through certain body practices So for example, if I have a person who is ashamed of their body as a result of trauma and has never masturbated I might do guided coached masturbation Or I might have a couple who want to reinvigorate their sex life and they want to learn new techniques So I'll guide them through it. So that's where the body-based therapy might come in um, someone in the tradition, it will probably start with some type of spiritual reading and see what's happening with you spiritually. And then how that plays out in your life in the form of coaching. Um, and the sex tends to be, especially in the tradition, talk therapy only. It comes out in my spiritual counseling. Um, so like, for example, I might do a divination and let's say I see a lot of OD falling and I know that, there might be some addiction stuff or some sexual trauma, some abuse, some other things that that letter would point to. Well, I'll do the abo; I'll get that out of the way. But then after that, I'm going to book a spiritual counseling session. And let's talk about what made that manifest on the map and what really needs to happen with you energetically and spiritually and hold space for that. And sometimes that is um, talk therapy around their sexual trauma, because, of course, that letter fell. And that oftentimes points to rape or molestation or all kinds of stuff, right? Sure. Um, in addition to that, as a tantrica, when I lead workshops with people, mostly um, single women or couples, they're looking to bring the sacred into their bedroom in a certain way. So in terms of my tantra training, I came through, I'm an initiated tantrica. I was initiated in the Sri Vidya lineage, uh, very goddess centered. And to me. It ain't nothing but some Indian Palo, honey. I don't know. Because, you know, they with them goddesses, they put out them yantras, honey, and you get to chant, and that thing move. okay? But in addition to Sri Vidya Tantra, mm-hmm. I studied Ipsalu Tantra, Shakti um, Shaktipat. Um, I received several activations, and I am now studying Grand Trine um, Active Shamanistic Tantra. So... I teach them how to do tantric projection, like head, no no hands, no touch um, energy orgasms, healing the body and the trauma energetically, uh, and even just tantric lovemaking, tantric interaction. Um, and I've found that people in this tradition, even though the two don't overlap, they are very interested in it because, again, we don't have a space to have these conversations. We don't have a way of talking about how we can relate in a spiritual manner
0: that you know we're we're all human beings right we want to we want to ultimately i think one of our desires for almost everybody is to be able to show up on every level for the sexy times right you know because 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 once you understand or experience other levels of awareness right
1: you know you want
0: to bring that you want to bring that everywhere right but as you say it's not really uh there's not really a mechanism for that
1: Right, right. I mean, but the thing is, I feel that we do, we do have our concept of sacred relationship because for, in my opinion, when the awo and his apetebi, day and marry, that's our sacred relationship. When the yalosha and the balalosha marry, they, that's our sacred relationship because now you have the, com- the the bringing together of these two powerful entities that can birth something. Now what's going to change it is the context, the intention, the consciousness and what you're going to put forth in it but the fact that it exists i think is if it didn't exist there would be no need for the bible out to have an to have that feminine counterpart to the masculine you know to bring about that balance and uplift his (laughs) you know what i'm saying so we definitely have it but do we understand what we have do Mm -hmm. we not articulate it and then what does it mean so then you know doubling back to your initial question Your average person looks like talk therapy and then whatever body-based somatic therapy they need according to their issue. The average person in this tradition, I kind of keep separate and it stays on like a counseling. I have to counsel them one-on-one because A, having the conversation itself is damn near taboo as conservative as we are. And B, you can't bring that into ritual. You got to do ritual first and then have a separate conversation
0: about that. For sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. I got to say, I I dig how you're navigating all that. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I got one more question for you before we wrap up. Uh So how do you sustain all these traditions you're doing? (laughs) I I get, I get a little tired just hearing about it. (laughs) On a schedule.
1: Uh (laughs) Well, I work for myself. So I, I wake up, usually I have sunrise meditation and yoga, and then I tend to my ancestors and whatever lowa it might be that day, you know. So Tuesdays, I know I'm on my petrol and, you know, whatever. Um, Thursdays, I'm on Marada, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I go ahead and greet my Arisha, my Ifa, and I keep it moving. At night, I normally deal with my Um, and I try to keep my workings to them around what's going on in the sky. But I mostly work that outside and at night. Um... And, you know, Loa gives you a schedule because Loa has to be served every day. And, you know, it's certain people that you serve on certain days. Arisha, all they need daily is to greet poor libations and keep it moving, you know. I might throw to my Arisha, you know, my head Arisha once a month. I like Bob maybe once a week, appease him, you know, on my little Sundays or Mondays. And I keep it moving. You know, they, it's, a, it's such a part of my lifestyle. It's like wake up, yoga, meditation, greet, move on, have your day, come back, say hello to the Apollo people, go to bed. You got a vote to do, do your work.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I mean, I think it's one of those things, right? So many people, uh, I hear many people who kind of say that they want to live that kind of life, right? You know, that that's what they're looking for. You got to be built for that life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things, right? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I mostly just, I, I work with my you know my my spirit guides and my arisha right but like takes up a chunk of time and energy and it takes takes a real consistency of focus that i think that um is challenging you know i know that i certainly when i was starting out struggled with it and and that sort of scheduling it and just being like these are the way that things happen right that's yeah. it right like that's yeah. that's, that's where the, the the obligation needs to be sustained right Yeah, and
1: I think because I didn't do it back to back. Like, I had years in between. each, So I kind of was able to get acclimated, develop a routine before something else came in, you know? And they're they're separate. I keep them separate. Like, they each have their own room, their own space, all of that. But they function in similar ways. You know what I'm saying? They function in similar ways. So every day if I get up and I greet my ancestors, that's going to be a new tradition. And today, you know,
0: I might have to blow some rum. But that t-
1: You know what I mean? So it's not as far what in and as complicated that? as people make it sound. It- I said it's not as far in or complicated as people make it sound. You know, even if you were just a paleto, right? You're not sitting with your ganga for hours every day, you're not doing that. Well, most no. days you get up, you greet, you light them up, and you keep it moving, unless you got um, something to do. Yeah, that doesn't change because you got other things.
0: That's true. Not- they got other places to be too, right? Like they're not right. sitting 24 hours a day waiting for you. But they should oh my be God, high, the high Bringing the TV down here, and, you yeah. know, we're not we're not watching our shows together. I'm getting sad with this. That doesn't happen. Yeah,
1: they should be out <laughs> there fixing the problems in my life, not sitting here.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. that's awesome thank you so much for making time today ty um people want to come and find you online where's the best place to come and hang with you
1: com.
0: beautiful yeah. go check it out yes yeah all right well thank you
1: yes thank you we'll talk soon
0: so thanks as always for listening I definitely appreciate everybody who takes the time to tune in to these podcasts, and especially those people who send me all sorts of kind words and thoughtful feedback about what we're doing here. Uh, I really appreciate it. If you are inspired by what's going on, please consider supporting us by going to the Patreon link in the show notes, and or also by reviewing us on iTunes to help people find us more easily, or just sharing this in your social media feed. Maybe even with a little sentence as to why people might enjoy it and take the time to listen to it. Thanks for helping spread the word. Thanks for helping make this happen. Thanks for being out there to share all this good stuff with.